You're listening to highlights from One Planet Podcast interview with Diana Chaplin, Canopy Director of One Tree Planted. Diana Chaplin and One Tree Planted, welcome to the One Planet Podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We really admire your organization and it has projects in, I believe, 25 countries? Six continents. Oh, it, it's amazing. And the concept seems simple, one tree, but really it's millions of trees now, isn't it? Yes. Yep. We planted over 10 million trees in 2020 alone, and it's one tree planted for every dollar donated. So we make it as simple as possible. But when you add it all up together, the impact is just tremendous and growing every day. Just tell us a little bit about the mission and history, uh, how it all got started. Yeah, absolutely. So our organization began in 2014. And at the time, it was our founder, he saw a kind of a gap in terms of the scalability and simplicity of people that want to make an impact for the environment. There's a lot of organizations doing great work, but if you're the average person that just wants to do something small and you have a small budget, there wasn't really that much available. And so the other thing is also making it simple for businesses to be involved because there really is such a huge amount of capital, amount of opportunity to really support the environment. And it happened very casually he was having a conversation with someone that wanted to do more for the environment and he was like well you should plant trees it's one of the best ways that they sequester carbon they help biodiversity all of these impacts and then I just turned one thing turned into another there was one small project that became another project and it really grew organically and I joined the organization in 2017 early on and really helped to grow and shape now we're a team of 40 people. We have forestry experts on the team, but we really started as a, a young, scrappy nonprofit and just figured out things along the way, really one tree at a time and one country at a time, one project at a time. We learned a lot along the way. And I think one of the most interesting things that has resulted from that is when people think of trees and forests, they're just like, that's the image that comes to mind. But we, we know in terms of the projects that we're doing is that it's about so much more than just trees. It's about water quality. It's about restoration after forest fires. It's about habitats for biodiversity, connecting forest patches. Every project that we do has a really amazing, unique story to it. And that's what makes the this work, I think, fulfilling and also interesting because of all of the stories that we can share with our donors and our communities as well. I almost feel like the mangrove is like my spirit tree in a way because the mangrove is a coastal tree. It has long roots. It likes to have its roots in water, but then also it's on land. And so these trees store um, about six to 10 times more carbon than your other typical average tree that's on land. They have an amazing ability to sequester that kind of in, in these coastal waters under that seabed. And along the way, they also have amazing marine biodiversity that they contribute to because this is where a lot of fisheries are. These are nurseries where fish and crustaceans and all of these creatures and birds come to thrive in these ecosystems. And then also these kinds of trees absorb storm surges. So when we're thinking about the big 
bigger picture of climate change. What do we need to be thinking about? We need to be protecting and restoring our coastal ecosystems. Significantly, there's been a lot of development in many parts of the world and mangroves are our allies in being able to do this. So one of the other things that we are doing in India is to plant a whole lot of mangrove trees, really working with local communities. It's also fascinating how you plant those trees. There's like actually a very short window of time in which you have to do it right based on where the tide is. There's all of these fascinating things in terms of restoration ecology. How do we do this correctly? How do we involve local communities and educate local communities so that we're not just doing this restoration work, but we're working in partnership with people so that they have a vested interest, so that they understand why these trees are important. These are fishing communities, by the way. Having these mangrove trees there, having healthy ecosystems and fisheries means more food. So it's all, again, intricately connected. And so that was just India. So I'm happy to go on to other projects, but I think that just shows how as you pull one thread so many of these things are just connected in a beautiful amazing complex way the way that one tree planted works is we actually have a vast network of on the ground partners so for example just going back to the india example we have an amazing india-based local regional organizer who knows the culture. And there's all kinds of political things. Every country has their unique challenges. Sometimes it's hard for us to send money to some places. There's all of these challenges that we have to work around, but it's never in a way of like, oh, here's one tree planted telling you what to do and do it a certain way. We always have hyper-local regional-based partners. And usually these are the partners that know the ecology best, they work directly with the local communities. In order for a project to even come to us, it's not like we're looking on a map and we're like, here's what we or the scientist or some kind of higher up knowledge source dictates. It's very much from the roots up. It comes from those local partners that are working with the local communities and they're the ones saying, this is what we need. This is an environmental challenge that we're having. And here's what we propose. And now we want to planted focus on the reforestation piece. But a lot of times that's connected to other elements connected to restoration in general. So you may be planting trees alongside a whole lot of actions to stop deforestation. You may be planting trees alongside working with farmers to make sure that the farming practices that they're using are restorative and not destructive. You may be planting trees and bushes and grasses and all kinds of other things. To answer that question, we, we have not really had any issues when it comes to conflict because the way that the project is designed from the very beginning is already taking into account all of these important things. And we're essentially sometimes providing technical advice just based on learnings from what can be helpful and the funding, but also very much leaning on those local communities and our local knowledgeable ecology experts to fulfill that in a way that is already in alignment with what is needed there. 
you were mentioning about the importance of partnerships, and I know, and I'm sure we've probably planted more trees in, since the partnership began with uh, the Jane Goodall Institute, but is it over 3 million trees now in Uganda? 3 million trees planted and restored because that's a plan that also has conservation woven into it, but yeah. That's so beautiful. I think from for so many of us, she was really an inspiring force in terms of awakening our, our awareness of the importance of maintaining habitats. And so, yeah, yeah, tell us a little more about that project. Yeah, it's an absolutely beautiful project and an amazing partnership. And again, it's hard to speak of any one thing. So the project is beautifully designed in that we're talking about restoration. And as we all know, it's the chimpanzee that, that Dr. Jane Goodall loves and what has started her career and her research. But you can't you can't help the chimpanzees without looking that in, at that entire forest ecosystem, that entire region, the people that live there, and some of the conditions that have led to a degradation of those ecosystems. The chimpanzee is now an endangered species. What's happened there over time is essentially forest fragmentation. So as people come in, people have... The other thing is when we talk about people, I, I also want to be really careful in not having any blame because a lot of times there is a very real survival need that simply is systemic that drives deforestation. People don't want to be destroying forests, but if they need fuel wood to cook, to heat water, to take care of their children, then some of these things end up happening. And so over time, the forests have become fragmented. Some of the chimp populations are more isolated. It's more difficult for them to have the whole forest to roam in, to breed in, and all of that stuff. So part of this project aims to create some forest connectivity. If you're on social media and you like a brand, don't hesitate from DMing them and being like, what are you doing for sustainability? Because I think that kind of pressure, there is someone that is reading those DMs. And I will tell you that when they see trends like that, they bring it up. And when it comes up again and again, that makes the companies pay attention and that will motivate them to shift their practices. And then they end up working a lot of times with nonprofit organizations like ours which is in some ways change is happening quicker. You can even skip the DMs when you're uh, talking to these people and just comment right under their post. Yeah, Get even totally. more light to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Get make even it more light to it. Yeah, exactly. Because then they respond and they address it. We hope you've enjoyed this program. If you would like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.